0: You're listening to Strictly Business podcast with Lindsey
1: Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FMB Wealth and Investment. Wayne, I was talking to Shapiro and another fellow the other day, and I looked at my screen and I said, uh, "Okay, the S and P 500." I don't want to get into too many numbers, but I have to. The S and P 500 at its worst when the war broke out was four thousand one hundred. And when I was talking to these two chaps, it was four thousand five hundred. And at the same time, I said, "Well, you've got a war, you've got interest rates rising in the United States and worldwide, and in fact, interest rates are going to increase by bigger increments." That's what Jerome Powell from the Fed said. Yes, what he said. Yes. Inflation running riot, and I said, "Yes." Are people, are investors not looking at their screens? Am I looking at different screens to them? I find it quite extraordinary.
0: Yeah, look, this has been a very sharp rally from the 4,200 to the 4,500 on the S&P, mm. as you said. And it might just be an overall bear market rally. So, let's discuss that a little bit. Okay. You need certain conditions for a bear market. And essentially, there's there's three conditions you need for a bear market. The market must be expensive before the bear market starts. Okay and that the market clearly was in December, January. I wouldn't say it was massively overvalued, but it was clearly expensive. So there's one criteria in place. Second criteria you need is rising interest rates and rising inflation, and that is clearly in place. But normally the third thing you need for a full strength collapse in the market is the economy dipping into a recession, and I don't get that one. But, so two out of the three conditions are present.
1: Okay. But doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, rising inflation and a slowdown b- because, because of the war equal uh, a sort of a mini version? Are we facing a mini version of stagflation, which is the ultimate enemy of the market?
0: It could very well be. I'm very reluctant to call stagflation. Uh, I'm very reluctant because... You know, despite what everyone says, I still think a lot of this inflation is transitory. So let's in, let's examine the inflation. <laughs> no, I, and okay. let's say there's, mm. let's say it's six percent above normal. And, and I'm using incredibly round numbers now. Yeah. Two percent. So one third of that is oil. Now who knows what oil is going to do? I think it's going to go down because. There is no shortage of oil in the world. It might take time for additional – if, you know, if the Russian oil is banned from Europe, et cetera, et cetera, it might take time for the other players, especially Saudi Arabia and American shale, to fill that gap, but they can. You know, so it might take a year, but there's no shortage of oil at over $100 a barrel. There is just no shortage.
1: No, and as we speak, just to yeah. give this some context here, the Brent crude oil price, as we speak, is $120.50 per barrel, which is up four and third percent on the day. And as I keep saying, yes. two years ago, it was uh, $12 a barrel. And it has been to 139 And I keep on hearing this. You said the word transitory, and I'm surprised at you, Wayne, actually, because for 15 months now, I've been hearing the word transitory. And transitory... Yes, I said
0: it, Reluctant to you, to. Reluctant to use that word, it's clearly gone out of favor.
1: <laughs> it really has, because it's not okay. transitory. Now the, it's gaining momentum.
0: The other, no, the other, let me explaining why. So oil, we don't know what it's going to do. But if it stays where it is, the year-on-year effect of inflation next year is zero. So it's got to go up another 50% yeah. in the next 12 months to have the same effect on inflation. It could do it, I don't know, yeah. but I don't think so because, as I've said a few times, there's no shortage of oil. Uh,
1: there the is a shortage of or the, but there is a shortage of wheat, there is a shortage of corn, uh, there is a shortage of natural gas. Uh, natural gas up 1.1% today, a, multi, a multi-year multi high for natural gas. So, I mean, we focus on oil because the energy sector is a major, major component of the inflation equation. But on the other hand, there correct, are other yeah. things as well, Wayne. There, there really are. Yeah. Shipping costs, for example. Okay, the, the other, the other, the other third of
0: the extra inflation is essentially owners' rental equivalent. In other words, the cost of living in a house. Yeah. Um, because no one built anything during the COVID, and there were and there shortages of timber and all of these things. The amount of new houses being started in America now is is incredibly high. So those prices at only equivalent rental prices will come down as the new stock hits the sales room, the 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 selling list. So, so that I truly think is transitory. And then the other two the other the other excess, the other one third excess
1: yes.
0: is the food and the logistics and the bottlenecks because of COVID and all of that. Now food can food can't go up forever, Because eh? food is the one commodity where within a season, you can meet shortfalls quite quite comfortably. You know, at these high prices, there's plenty of fields that didn't make money when prices were lower than this, but they'll make money now. So, so food is the one commodity where you can, you know, if there's a shortage in oil that takes you a while to get the pumps going and get everything moving, or if there's a shortage in copper, it takes you 10 years to get a new copper mine going. Mm-hmm. But if there's an agricultural shortage, the, the supply response is, in fact, quite quick. So I think inflation, a lot of it is transitory, mainly based on my oil story. And, of course, the war can't last the next 10 years. eh? Well, the, either, the, the, it's the,
1: it's the Afghan war, either, either the war lasted, lasted uh, 20 years. So I mean, I don't see why yeah, this, the this one nothing. couldn't.
0: The Afghan war is nothing. This is of far more importance to the world economy and of far more importance to Russia yes. than Afghanistan. At the end of the day, economically speaking, Afghanistan meant nothing.
1: No, it meant nothing. But the point is, it's a similar sort of war because if Putin's troops keep on running out of fuel and keep on running out of food and keep on raiding villages and doing all sorts of unspeakable things to people, then they become entrenched, like they became entrenched. Don't forget, Russia invaded Afghanistan and they lost. Like America invaded Afghanistan and lost. So it can happen again. Well, the British invaded
0: Afghanistan and got their bums kicked in the Khyber Pass as well. So there's a bit of a history, but let's not talk about Afghanistan. No,
1: let's not talk about Britain as as, as well.
0: The Russian economy Mm. cannot withstand these sanctions for even a relatively short period of time. Mm. The economy will collapse around their ears. So I still think there'll be a resolution in months, not years. Simply because... There was no sanctions when Russia invaded Afghanistan. There was no rush sanctions against America when they invaded Afghanistan. No, that's this what is that, that very, wasn't the point I was story. making. It's,
1: it's it's got that it's got to that point where. Mm. Uh, no,
0: I'm just saying the war,
1: mm. the war itself, the actual
0: physical combat can go on, as you said, for twenty years, possibly. Candy, yeah. But the Russian economy under these sanctions cannot go on for twenty years, for ten years, or five years, or even a year. It, it is, these sanctions are punishingly. Bad for the Russian economy. I mean, the economy could shrink fifteen percent this year. They got no access to capital. They got no access to the global settlement systems. But, Pretty soon, they won't be able to sell oil and gas, and that, and they but, live on oil and gas. I but mean, Putin that is doesn't care.
1: Putin could be a trillionaire, you know that? Because yes. I've, I've been listening to uh, uh, two possible, two podcasts. But there's
0: more. There's more. There's more than one Russian who lives in Russia. Putin's yes. not the only guy who lives there.
1: Yeah, but he doesn't care and, anymore. He doesn't care.
0: But. He, Lots of dictators didn't care until the day they were thrown out. You there's, what. There's, there's, well, anyway, I don't know about politics. All I'm no, saying no, is I. the Russian economy will shrivel and die if this war carries on. So for s- that reason, I don't think it will.
1: I can tell you, when, it, I, when it, it Idi Amin... No, before In we go on, some, let's, let's talk some yeah. politics now. When Idi Amin was deposed... Who who looked after him? Saudi Arabia. Uh, So when Putin is deposed, which he will be, there'll be a a democratic uprising in, in the Russian Federation. It won't be in three months or six months. It may be in three years. Someone will will look after him, whether it be Kim in North Korea or President Xi or whoever succeeds him in China. Someone will look after him. He doesn't care, Wayne. This is my opinion after listening to so many podcasts.
0: Now, look, it's quite possible. My own personal opinion for what it's worth, because as I said, I'm not a political expert. Nor me. I think you will be facing such internal pressure that you'll declare victory and retreat because... It seems to me like Ukraine will give some form of autonomy or if not independence to the those those eastern states. Mm. And they've already been, you know, Crimea has already been taken away from it for 10 years. I mean, it's not as though this is a new... But anyway, let's leave that aside. Yes, leave the it aside. The is point inflation is inflation is going up. Whether it's going to 3% or 6% or 8%, it's going up. That's not good for equity.
1: Um, and
0: yet we've had this massive rally as we're speaking about
1: it there's an argument that i saw on bloomberg today that said is the bond market sell-off in other words rising yields and the actual bond prices that you invest in come off is that good or bad for equities where do you stand on that one
0: no it's bad for equities simply because equities an equity price consists of two things it consists of a projected forward income stream, whether you call it profits or dividends or whatever, but it's a projected forward income stream discounted at an applicable discount rate. That's all a share is. And if your, your applicable discount rate, the biggest single component of that is the bond yield, being your risk-free rate, and then you add risk onto that because earnings are uncertain. So your discount rate has gone from 0.8, 0.8%, beginning of last year yeah to 2.4 this is not good for equity
1: okay so it's not good no it's not good so when you see the bond market i mean it was it was only a couple of years ago uh, that the the us 10-year bond yield was something like 0.7% it's now was 0.6 yeah. yeah exactly and now it's gone up four times to 2.4% or it yes. was last evening that's a 400% increase in the price yeah, of is- money which is
0: extraordinary. Yes. It's, 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 yes. Yes, it is extraordinary, but what's truly extraordinary about it is how how abnormally low it was in 2019 and 2020. Mm. It is now actually just returning to normal levels. Mm. So now somewhere between 2 and 4% is the normal level for the U.S. government 10-year bond. And uh, it's just now returning to and more normal level. And that's why I've made the point on many occasions with you yes. that the conditions that persisted post the global financial crisis could not have been better for equity. Yeah, And one of those biggest supports was the U.S. long bond dropping from 3% to 0.6. So what's abnormal about this 400% increase was the, how low the starting point was. The actual bond is now more or less or very close to some sort of normal trading range of course if inflation persists at six percent or seven percent then the u.s long bond sitting at 2.4 isn't nearly high enough and that will have to go to four or five which would be catastrophic for the equity market. I mean, truly catastrophic
1: for the equity market. But it started accelerating, the, hasn't it? It has really started accelerating. Okay. It's it, 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 it gaining well, it momentum. Is. That's another word I've, I've I've used it a couple yeah, of times in this chat. it's
0: it's a uh, it's going up in a fairly straight line. Yeah, eh? yeah, it really is. Uh, yeah, uh, it's going up in a fairly straight line. Yeah.
1: Okay, so, so let me ask you if, this question if, now. If that goes to, mm. let me
0: just finish off here quickly. If right. that goes to five or six percent, yeah, then the last element for a true bear market falls into place, mm. because that will push the economy into a recession. Okay. If it stays between two and three, it probably won't push the economy. So if this goes, if the long bond goes to four or five, which, 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 which in other words, actually says inflation staying high for a sustained time period, and it's not transitory, mm. then we will have a, uh, fall, if not 50% fall in
1: the share. Okay. So when you sit down, uh, you know, when you go to the office, you sit down, you have strategy meetings with yourself and your other uh, uh, clever asset managers, money managers. Do you put these sort of views forward? Do you say to yourself, listen, we have got... We have got a potential, there's, there's three scenarios here, and you go through the one, two, three that you've just sketched out with me, a humble broadcaster. But do yeah. you actually say, because you're a, you're a big organisation, and Wealth and Investment, part of First Round, it's a massive organisation, and to get the call right or wrong is meaningful to you. What are you saying to them at the yes. moment, and are they listening?
0: Look, we are actually quite, we are of, a, of one view. We are of the view that, two elements to the view, that the overall environment for equity has turned the other way. It is now not nearly as positive as what it was over the last 12 months. Okay. Second thing we're saying is we do not expect a 40 or 50% fall, a 10 to 20 could quite easily happen or a positive 10 could happen because we don't think the economy is going to go into a recession, number one, and we don't think inflation is going to stay at seven or 8% forever, number two. But clearly the environment for equity has turned down. Right. And this last little big, this not this last, this last big sort of run in the equity market Quite frankly, it's a little bit
1: unusual. It is very unusual. It was 4100, um, 4101.25, the SP futures were three and a half weeks ago. They went to 45. It- well, yeah. This morning, whatever it is, it's, it's, it's a big move. It's nearly 10% up from the lows after a war on the outskirts yeah. of Europe, because they, they call it Europe, but it's not really Europe, the Europe that I know. But it's still an incredible rally, given the circumstances that we've been describing over the last few, few minutes. Um, with i don't want you to give away too many secrets but the funds that are allowed to take protection i.e with options or whatever it is um, um derivative structures are you taking or thinking of taking protection it is certainly
0: an option however our clients mandates with us don't allow us to use protection oh, okay. so it's, it's 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 a legality more so than anything else but, but protection's expensive at the moment right?
1: yes it is because the, Vic, the, the Vix, yeah, it's dropped recently but anyway okay wayne um yeah. let's let's talk about a couple of other things um I don't want to just talk about food I want to talk about the did you see those pictures I sent you yesterday of the car no I haven't actually I must uh, Yes, I did the
0: mark two. Yes, I did. Yes, Chris.
1: Okay, I was going out of, coming out of my flat. I was going off for, for a cycle in the sunshine, uh, the, the northern hemisphere spring sunshine. It, it was lovely, and there was the one of the most beautiful cars I've ever seen glided past me, as I as I as I came out of my flat on my e-bike, and for some reason, the chap who was driving it stopped on the right-hand side of the road. And uh, I think he was making a phone call or something. I said, listen, can I possibly uh, take a photograph of your car because I have uh, an associate who is in Johannesburg, and he's a he's a Jaguar aficionado and uh, fanatic. So I took those pictures, which I sent to you. It's so beautiful. And I said, "Well, what's the story?" He said, "Well, I got it in 1964, and it's a 3.8 liter and everything." And he said, if your friend wants it, it's 58,000 euros. That's what it's been uh, appraised at. And I said, well, it's not really his thing. He he likes the cheaper ones that he can tart up and then sell them for 58,000 euros. But it's a beautiful car, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is a very nice car. 58,000 euro is, it might be the most expensive Jaguar Mark II ever sold at that price, but yes.
1: But he also said to me, the unique thing about this car, and you can correct him and me on this issue, it was the first car that ever had power steering.
0: That's what no, he told he's me. wrong on that. Is he wrong? No. He's wrong on that. He's wrong on that. The first production car that came out with disc brakes. Hmm. The next one that came after, well, the earlier models were not power steering, the ones that came after the Mark II, which is called an S-Type, which is virtually the same car, just a slightly different boot, essentially, Yeah. they had power steering. They came out with power steering. Whether they were the first to come up with power steering, I don't know. Lots of people put power steering into that car you're speaking about, the Mark II, because it's just easier to drive. But it's quite funny. The power steering on these old cars is nothing like today's modern power steering. Modern Modern power steering gives you the power when you're going slowly. In other words, when you're parking your car, but when you're on the highway going at 120, there's virtually no power steering. The old cars, the power steering works at 100% all the time. So when you're going fast in an old car with an old fashioned power steering, the steering feels very light because in other words, the power steering, the, 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 the power it gives you to assist you with your steering is not variable. So it's great when you're parking your old car at the shopping center, but when you're on the highway going at 120, the steering feels incredibly light. But just to come back to the disc brakes, this was one of the first production cars to come out with disc brakes. And the brakes were so good, they actually put a little warning badge on the back (laughs) bumper to say the car's got disc brakes. So you've got
1: to be gentle with your right foot, yeah.
0: No, the cars behind you must be aware you can stop a lot quicker than what they can. I see. (laughs) So they're actually warning the cars behind you, this way, this car can stop quickly. But it's interesting, when you drive a Mark II now compared to modern brakes, it's totally awful. They are so inefficient compared to modern brakes that on most of the cars I do, I actually put much bigger uh, brakes in the front of the car. Because otherwise you actually can't compete in modern, you can't drive in modern driving because some chap in front of you will pull it, you know, you're coming up to a robot and you've left yourself a nice space to stop. And some guy will pull in front of you and stay his new fancy brakes on and you just cannot stop in time. So I, I often upgrade the brakes simply because they, you know, they are still 1960 brakes. Yeah,
1: 1964 in this case. So you wouldn't pay 58,000 euros for that car?
0: not a chance
1: <laughs> okay let's talk about food now we spoke the uh, a, f- a few months ago and we and, and asked you the question if you're really really hungry what is your favored meal and i think you you said curry but this is a sort of a variant of that question Do you ever get Mm -hmm. cravings? Do you ever yearn? And you say to yourself and to your partner, you say, I have to have peri-peri chicken or I have to have a curry or a burger or a pizza or steak and chips. Do you ever get those yearnings? And until those yearnings are satisfied, you're not satisfied. Do you ever get that sort of feeling?
0: Lindsay, I get it every single day of my life. That's why I am no longer the slim man that I used to be. And so I, I, I look in that kitchen cupboard and in the fridge every night. In fact, I would be as I would be a, a slim man again yes. if I could just tame that urge between let's call it seven o'clock and nine o'clock at nighttime. Because yeah. that's when I get the nibbles. And if there's, and I've eaten supper. I've eaten supper mm. and I'm not hungry. But I just somehow I don't eat chocolates during the day or chippies or biscuits during the day, but at night time at those two hours, if there's a packet of biscuits in the cupboard, it does not survive the African night.
1: Well, exactly. If it's there, it's 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 like me. And if I've got a six pack of beer, for example, in there, I, I, that, that's why I don't keep alcohol in in the house. Because if it's there, I just look at it and I think, oh gosh, it looks so good. I'm going to have it. Looks
0: it. so nice, yeah.
1: Yeah. But the other, the reason I asked this question was because I was watching. I, I sat down on Saturday. Uh, the Saturday just passed and there was a lot of really good football matches which need not detain us but anyway and I know what happens at football matches people go out for the three peas uh, two of the peas are a pie and a pint and the other pea we we don't need to mention um yeah. and, I, and I thought I really fancy a pie and I found a shop that sells these beautiful pies and so I went to buy three individual pies not big pies Steak and kidney pie, mm. a, 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 a chicken tikka masala pie, and and a vegetable pie, and they're beautiful, lovely, uh, lovely flaky pastry and everything. And uh, and I brought them home now, look, and, and had my pie. beer, and I I needed a pie. That's what I needed, and I a, got the pie. A good pie
0: is fantastic. Oh, it's fantastic. Now I can tell you a pie story. Please tell me. I have a very I have a very dear friend of mine, you I see every day of my life. Oh yeah. He comes, he comes to the garage here and he works with me. Mm-hmm. And to say he has an appetite and to say food dominates his life could, poss- could possibly be a slight overstatement. <laughs> so you'll come in in the morning and you'll have a guenya, which is a little fat, fat cook. You'll have about four guenyas. Oh, yeah. And then I normally make Deville eggs and he has two Deville eggs. Then we have our standard um, noodles at lunchtime. But then when we knock off here at 4 or 5 o'clock, you're going home to supper now. He's eaten during the day, but he pops into the pie shop at Cresta Center and buys a pie. But he's too scared to go home with the pie and eat it there because then his wife's going to say to him, why are you eating a pie now? I've just made supper or we're just about to eat supper. So he sits in his car and eats the pie. eats the pie and then throws the packet away in the dirt bin at the shopping center. So he buys a pie on the way home, always steak and kidney, just a, virtually every single day. And I must say, a good steak and kidney pie, oh, it's delicious. Eh?
1: It really is. Especially, if I it's...
0: like it with Worcester sauce. I like it with Worcester sauce. Yes. But a good steak and kidney is good.
1: And also, if it's it, it's… If it's mixed, they, they make these Guinness steak and kidney pies as well, yes. which, which adds Ooh, yes. a, a sort of a, a sort of a unctuous uh, quality to it. I there's love a, the Guinness steak and kidney. Oh gosh!
0: There's a there's a there's a like a, a convenience food chain restaurant in the UK called Eat. Yes, they have got a steak and Guinness pie. there wow. It is fantastic.
1: Why is it that every time I speak now, to you on a Wednesday, like, I just want to go big out starving, and eat now. Yeah. yeah, I'm now, absolutely this, starving. The same
0: good, this, I'm drooling. The same good friend of mine and I went down to Durban to pick up some motor car spares. And on the way back, we stopped at the windmill restaurant roadhouse thing at Nottingham Road. Mm. And we bought, we bought curry mince pies. Oh, God. They were delicious. Okay. In fact, this windmill place is really nice. They sell mealy bread, corn bread. Yes, and you you buy it and you you cook it, and you can either toast it or just have it like it is. With a warm it up, cook it, have it uh, with a bit of butter on. It's delicious.
1: Wayne McCurry is sometimes a portfolio manager at F and B Wealth and Investment, and that was Wayne on Wednesday.